waiting for the on the air light. Good morning. Uh, my name is Stacy Maston, and I'm teaching the Wisdom Seekers class today. Um, I want to welcome all the saints who have gathered here uh, in my house, and I really want to send a blessing um, to all the saints that are throughout the nations that may have an opportunity to hear this teaching. I want to thank you for tuning in, and, and I just <clears throat> want to say a prayer over all of us as I bring forth this message that the Lord gave to me. Father, we open our hearts before you. We want to remain very tender and open and willing to participate in what you want to do in the coming days, and we pray that 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 our hearts remain passionate and ready, not just to receive your word, but to continually obey and preserve keeping that word in our hearts and, <clears throat> and keeping it alive within us. I pray, Father, that you would anoint um, me for teaching today. Help me to speak those things that are on your heart and that those words would penetrate every heart that hears this message to bring um, just a new level of quickening and awakening to the hour in which we're living and those things that we are facing as a body of saints. Father, we give you praise and thanks for your word and for the way that you lead us and for all the victories that we have shared together and we give you praise for those things that are coming for the victories that we know for your saints to partner with you in in jesus name we pray amen this morning i'm going to kind of go down memory lane a little bit to open up because that is after I was studying last night and laid my head down to rest uh, the Lord awoke me as he normally does and I had two teachings to teach today I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do I, I, I really you think oh what a good problem to have not really because for me it just it just creates chaos in my mind and my heart because I want to hear clearly what the Lord wants me to do and they both both the teachings obviously have spoken to me which is why I studied them out and prepared the teaching sheet I even sent Scott both teachings last night I said I don't know which one I'm going to do I'll let you know <laughs> bless his heart but when he woke me up and I was praying he really began to speak to me about the beginning he began to remind me of what it was like 25 years ago. This fall will mark 25 years that we've been in this saintly walk. 
And for each one of you, save my mother, in this room, we've been in this together from the beginning. So we all know what I'm speaking about. It was, we were overtaken by the Spirit. And we did some crazy things as a result of that. And I would say that the presence of the Lord and His Spirit, the way that He filled this place, certainly gave us liberties that we'd never before experienced. I know, me, for myself, <clears throat> I didn't know you could have that much fun in church. But I experienced a liberality in that time frame that I had never experienced before. Certainly, I had been a wild woman in my early years, and, you know, I didn't, I threw caution to the wind. I really wasn't too afraid of things. I wasn't <laughs> doing any bad things, but I mean, you know, I wasn't shy. I wasn't a wallflower, that sort of thing. So maybe you could say, for me, it wasn't a big stretch as you all watched the crazy things that I did. And I know that you were here for that. <laughs> and while you may not have always had your eyes up on me, it would be hard to escape the spectacle that I know I sometimes made. But what was, what was the driving force of that? The Spirit gave me liberty, but it was the agape that made my passion so strong that I had no con conception of even that you guys were in the room. I was just giving everything I had in that moment, each moment, to what the Spirit of God was doing. And I know that I made a fool of myself on countless occasions. I can tell you that I really wasn't aware of it. I can look at it back now and say, yeah, I'm pretty sure that when Tammy and I were rolling on the floor in Peace Chapel that that was not a high moment for our reputations. But let me remind you that we are not now just talking about me. We are talking about Tammy Stewart. And we all know Tammy Stewart. So if she was doing it, it leads credence to what I was doing. Because certainly she would not have rolled on the floor had the Spirit not overtaken her. And not only that, but we were laughing our heads off while we were doing it. It may have looked a little bit like a wrestling match. I'm not really sure because we did it together. It was, it's really hard to describe how those things can happen. But we were overtaken in travail and weeping at times. We, we were doing all kinds of bodily uh, maneuvers that we don't ever, you know, we don't walk around doing that, you know, when we go to Tom Thumb. It was, it was so overwhelming and so moving that we were all completely changed by that time frame when we were visited in that way by God, as he was initiating a move of God that would change history. We are people, you talk about the song History Maker, we are going to be the history makers. God has trained us to be his history makers. He has trained us to stand in this hour on behalf of his righteousness and not turn to the side, to not, you know, faint, and to not grow weary in waiting. 
He's trained us to stand. He's trained us. I mean, how long do we talk about standing? Well, now we're doing it, folks. I remember over the years we've talked about a couple of things, you know, many times. One of them is standing. One of them is waiting. And one of them is the loss of our first love. And I think back over the times, I know that all those things were always, you know, in, at a point of contention because the enemy was trying to stop us in one way or another. And we, we have overcome so many trials and tribulations over the years. And they've kind of changed, if you've noticed. If you think back from the beginning and the things that you were challenged with 25 years ago, I bet you don't give those things a thought anymore. They have changed. They have evolved because we have changed and evolved. Our maturity level has changed and evolved. You know, back then we really did act like children just playing in our father's house. We really were so abandoned. And we had no concept of, now I'm not saying we didn't know the difference between right and wrong, but we trusted in our leadership to oversee what was happening so that if we were in error, something was out of place, you know, he would, through the word of God, make sure that we were staying in alignment with that. But today, it would be, it would be really out of character for us, not that I wouldn't lay on the floor and roll, but I'm not that child anymore. And more is expected of me regarding what the Spirit of God is doing. Now I'm asked to act on behalf of God in authority. Now I'm asked to be someone who's like pastor, who can oversee something. So we are not the same children that we were, but we are serving the same God that we did. And what is missing in this hour of waiting and standing and the agape is are we, are we um, losing our footing? Are we standing as strong? Are we as impassioned as we once were? Because even though the passion may not be demonstrated the same way, the passion within and the way we seek has to be as strong as it ever was. We have to be as just as moved today by the presence of God and what he tells us as we were moved upon it 25 years ago. And the waiting. See, we've been waiting for 25 years. I mean, that's not even a new message. But has this last year and a half been a different kind of waiting than we've ever had? It has. It has tested us in ways that the other waiting prepared us for. Without the other waiting, I think this waiting might have been impossible. I don't know if we would have had what it took to stand in the gap and remain faithful during this crazy pandemic season where our rights as people and humans was encroached upon truly by the enemy, bringing a point of stasis upon what God is doing. I think the enemy did it, but I think God let him. Why? Because God always has a purpose, no matter what is going on. It doesn't matter, you know, I, we have to turn away from the way we viewed the purpose of God, you know, in the olden days. The purpose of God used to always be, if something good happened, it was the purpose of God. If something bad happened, it was the enemy trying to keep you from the purpose of God. Well, I'm sorry, but that, is just, that doesn't bear out in the scripture at all. I can't see, then there's, a, there's so many examples in the Bible where people were um, waylaid and 
delayed and every other kind of laid, but it actually took them to the fulfillment of the purpose of God. I'm thankful for that message. I'm thankful for that understanding. It, it opens our eyes to view the purpose of God the way that he does. He says, look at what I'm doing the way I'm looking at it. Yes, the enemy, I let the enemy bring this about, but I am revealing things through this season. I'm doing things in you through this season that would never be done otherwise. If you had just kept on that same pathway, which I had ordained, you would not be changed in the way that you are being changed right now. You would not be seeing the world the way that I see the world. See, often we stay in this bubble, and because the world's out there, and we know we're going to have to conquer it someday, and we, we know we have to, to spread the message, we know we have to go forth, but have we really been, have we really come face to face with what the world's going to bring us? What we're going to have to overcome? I don't think we really understood the reality of what we were going to have to overcome. We can see that the enemy has been very busy, and he's actually quite adept with his strategies. He has been putting a lot of things in place, and they're just rolling out. And he's got people in place to carry out his aims. I mean, it is just, hasn't it been mind-boggling? Haven't, haven't you found yourself agog? as you have watched some things that you have seen our leaders say and do, and then the people, you know, really backing that up and believing that delusion, and you just think, how is this true? And yes, the other nations, those godless nations. But no, folks, here in America, we are now living in a uh, godless nation. But God has preserved a remnant. I think he's preserved a remnant in every nation. But he's letting the enemy have his way because there's no way to escape what the end times detail that the saints must overcome and face. Now, where we are in that schematic, I don't know. He hasn't revealed that to me. I just know that if you can't see that for what it is, then you're, you're turning a blind eye. I said all this to, to really lead us into what I want to discuss with you today because I do feel like this waiting and this, this point of rest that God has provided for us, we don't want it to lull us into a sleep or into a place of complacency where we're not ready. I mean, there is a difference between um, being in a state of rest and being ready. I mean, I think of Scott and I really like this, this show called The SEAL Team. It's so intense, and I'm, so, I'm, I'm just so completely in awe of the training that they must endure in order to carry out the function that they carry out on behalf of our nation. And I, I'm just, and I know that probably not everything is exactly the way it is, but um, because I don't know if they want to reveal all their secrets, right? But um, we know that they are 
so, they're so sold out for what they're going to do. And folks, that's us. In order to over overcome the enemy, in order to be sent out, in order to do a, com a mission successfully, we have to complete, be completely sold out, completely, um, completely own what God has given each one of us to do. I watched that SEAL team, and you know what? They all have a function, and every time they go on a mission, they all do their own function. They always have the thing that they have been trained to do in that team of eight or ten or however many members there are. And so I think about us, and I think about, you know, the struggle we've had over, over time. I know, I'm not getting to this teaching, but this is just the way it is right now. Um, but in the beginning, I think there was a real struggle over, you know, who had what calling and who, who got to do what and who was important and who wasn't and who had an anointing and who didn't and who got to do this and who didn't. And we all struggled with that. That, that didn't happen just to one person. We all had to find our place. We all had to contend with being offended by all those things. But are you offended by those things anymore? Did you even give thought to those things anymore? Well, it's okay if you do. I know that God's still refining you through it if you do. It's not, I'm not condemning you for the things that God is working out in each one of us. But my point is, is that if you're not doing what God's called you to do, you're leaving everyone open in the field of battle. You have something so specific. And let's just say we're all intercessions and that's all we are. The way you intercede matters to the team. The way you perceive what's going on in the spirit realm, or round, as Hannah used to say, the spirit round, um, it matters to the team what your perspective is. It matters to the team what your insights are. It matters to the team the actions you take regarding what you've been praying about, the declarations you make. See, every person has something that they give to empower the team to succeed. And so this is really, I mean, it's like, I feel like I'm talking to a team that's been excellent. And I, I have no, um, I have no complaints about you. I'm not targeting you. I have just felt in the spirit kind of a lull, even in myself, a, a lackadaisical kind of an ease kind of, you know, even kind of, you know, being idle. And it concerns me because I know that we're really on the precipice of some mighty actions on, the, on behalf of the Lord, and I don't want to be caught unawares. I mean, I, I think about the five virgins, and they had the old just like everybody else, but they, you know, the Lord didn't come quite like they wanted, and it, they had to wait. And so they kind of stopped doing what, what it took to keep their oil going and their lamps going. So, but they all had it in the beginning. They all had the lamps. They all had the oil. So at one time, they were all participating in the thing that they knew they must do in waiting upon the return of the Lord. So what changed? They didn't want to wait. There was something in the waiting that made them idle. And so for me, I am still praying every night, but, you know, it, it's, it's changed. I have to, I'm just here to tell you that I have to make, I mean, 
used to, and I've been doing this for eight years, which is insane to me. And I still don't like it. And the Lord knows exactly how I feel about it. So I'm not telling any secrets. I love what it has done. I love what it has done in my relationship with him. All the benefits of it. I recognize all the benefits. But when it comes to waking me up at 2 in the morning, I still don't like it. And my body still says, oh, no, I mean, he can wake you up later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't tell you why this has not changed. It drives me crazy to think that my flesh is still so in control in the night hours. But I have made a vow. And that vow, and you know what? I don't feel the agape at 2 in the morning. But I know what my vow is. And that is the only thing that gets me up. I said, yes, Lord, I will get up. Now, I may fall asleep in 15 minutes. I have done that recently. It's driving me nuts because I don't even know I've done it. And I'll wake up two hours later. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I know I didn't just pray for two hours because, because I don't remember any of that. <laughs> so I, I'll pray then. But it, and so it, it really worries me that I can't stay up for those, you know, an hour and a half or whatever it is that I do. Um, so I'm, I'm just saying I feel like, you know, even though I have a desire to do it, I feel like it's waned, so I, I have a concern that maybe you all are struggling with the same thing, and you, you, you get this pep talk, and you get, be encouraged to make, take the steps that are necessary to remain faithful to your relationship with God in that point of commune, and that obedience is just paramount. Dear Jesus, is there any time left at all? So let's look at our sheet. So apparently, these are all the things that I'm going to repeat, be repeating to you, but using Scripture to do it. We're going to look at the word keep. <coughs> We're already familiar with the word keep that, means t that is transcribed from the Greek word terio. We're very familiar with that term because we know it's speaking of the place that we, we, where we have been called to stand, the place of our responsibility. It's the place where we function. And that word will be found with, throughout these uh, passages uh, as we go forth. But this word to keep means to watch, be on guard, to preserve, obey, and to avoid as well. Something I didn't put on your sheet because at the time that I read it, I really did not understand how it applied. The, the Greek definition says it comes from the word fuel see this is philoso so the the root word is fuel and it means as in isolation but when you look up the word fuel it's transcribed as kindred and tribe and I was like I don't even know how to interpret that what do you mean it means as in isolation and then it means kindred or tribe and then, if I had just looked further immediately, then I probably would have seen it. But all I could say is that I read further in, in the definition, and it says um, that it's speaking of any person who is descending from one of the 12 tribes of Israel. So that, that totally makes sense, because what does God require of his chosen people? They have to be separate. They have to be isolated from the world. They can't enter into the um, things of this world. They have to remain separate. And I thought, wow, that really says something because, I mean, obviously the word isolation caught my attention. 
because we've been in isolation, right? We've all had to quarantine and stay away from everybody else. And without that point of koinonia and fellowship in the natural, um, you know, it's been a struggle um, for each person in a different way. But it really puts me um, on notice when I look at this word that really, you know, our mindset should be one of isolation anyway. And we know that because, it, you know, we're supposed to be, you know, in the world but not of it. Those things like that, things that we're very familiar with. But this really took it to a whole new level. The thing that I hope it didn't do, though, is that as you were at home, you know, and you were away from the body, is that the things of this world actually didn't creep in in other ways that you really weren't paying attention to. And they became the things that were important over what we have done here together because we're not meeting on Wednesdays, we're not meeting on Sunday nights, things like that. Things that continue to strengthen and hone and bringing the saints together really is an empowering point. But I think God wanted us to be separate so that, you know, our source was truly Him. Would we really still seek Him if others weren't around? Would we really lay on our face and pray in diverse tongues on Sunday night um, without coming to church? Would we, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So to me, um, this, this definition is really interesting. Let's look at Luke 11, 28. Jesus said, <clears throat> Blessed are they that hear the logos of God and keep it. So having just spent 30 minutes talking about the last 25 years, one of the main proponents and really the calling card of this house has been the revelation of the logos. And you have to admit, there is nobody in this room who can say that we have not been changed by the logos and kept, or that we have been blessed because we have kept it, because we have obeyed the revelation of God as he has revealed it to us through the logos word, we have applied those words. We are, we are moving, acting, and, you know, participating in that partnership according to the logos. And we have been blessed. This word, markarios, is um, different than eulogia, but it's something that we are very familiar with because it really means to have more than enough, to not lack to operate in the full blessings of God. Can you all just spend a little second by yourselves thinking for the last 25 years how God has sustained us? Not just you individually, but this house. I mean, it's, it's miraculous. There's no way that on our own and without God, this house would have sustained itself and the people in it. It is, it is an absolute blessing. We have been operating in the full Markarios of God. Why? Because we have watched over the word. We have guarded the word. We have preserved it and we have obeyed it. In Jude 1 verse 17, um, this really st stood out to me because of the mention of the logos, but, um, but down further you'll see our signature word which is actually talking about something else, but, you know, we'll, we'll make it happen. So Jude is talking to those who are seeking God in the agape, 
breathing hard after God's purpose. Okay, you guys, that you've been breathing hard after God's purpose, remember the Logos. Remember what I've taught you throughout these 25 years. Keep that at the forefront of your mind. But specifically, the things that were spoken of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you there should be mockers in the last time who would walk after their own ungodly lust. Well, I think that we've stepped into a, a time frame where we have mockers, false teachers, deriders. Deride actually means to express contempt for something, to ridicule something. Everything that we've all believed among us has been systematically ridiculed, mocked. They have expressed contempt for what is good. They have called what is good evil. We are in that day, folks. And so here we are. Remember the Logos where I told you this was going to happen, that there would be mockers in the last time. These be they who separate themselves, are sensual and having not the spirit. But you, those who, who breathe hard after God and his purpose, build up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So how do we combat what's going on around us? We must be praying in the Holy Spirit. We must be at the right hand of God. That prosukamai, praying in the Holy Ghost, that really speaks of, you know, gaining that insight and making that your declaration. Then it says, to keep yourselves in the agape of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So here we come to our term terio. Within our terio, the agape of God has to be our main focus. Our main focus is, uh, you know, what is that? Is that the right word? I don't know. It's the thing that drives us into what God wants to do. We seek his face. We koinonia with him. That commune imparts that agape into us so that we can stand. You know, the thing about the agape is, is that he is the one that agaped us. That's what changed us, is the way he showed us his agape. The way that he really just poured it out into us. I'm sorry, but I really think that he was trying to give us an addiction problem. Because are you not addicted to his agape? And we had to have it. I have to have it. I tell you what, to be separated from that is just not acceptable. And that is truly the way I feel about my communion with the Father. There are so many things that I don't like about the time frame in which he's called me to pray. But I cannot live without the, he is my drug dealer. 
I have to be with him. I have to have that commune. Do you know that he is always imparting his agape into you no matter what? No matter what you feel. No matter what you think is going on. Because sometimes I'm laying there and I'm just listening to the music. You know, I'm just relaxing in Jesus. But I know as I pray and I just spend that time with him faithfully that he is imparting that agape that keeps, it gives me the breath to go after his agape, to breathe hard after him. And so now we go to verse 22 when it talks about trying to save people who, who have stepped away. You some, you have compassion, you make a difference. Others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. So we come to our signature word. God is able through his dunamis, to keep you from falling. And I, I have experienced the saving hand of God in that very way. You know, as we have gone through these 25 years and been tried and tested, refined, uh, we've been on the wheel of God, haven't we? We were attacked. Remember the back in the day, we should say, I'm under attack! We found out now that means that you don't want to do something that God's telling you to do. Because <laughs> that's all it means, seriously. If the enemy's got something in you, it's just the enemy doing it. And you're under attack. I'm under attack. I'm on the wheel. Um, it was so, you know, we almost had little badges. I'm on the wheel. Um, so the thing is, we're... Yes, the enemy is pushing those buttons, but we all know that those are just, those are, those are points for discussion with the Lord. Those are points of instruction with the Lord. Those are training points. Those are things that, that the Lord allows in order to um, refine us and change our hearts. But it's that dunamis that's present that makes that possible. And that's what keeps us from falling because we're changing. We're ever saying yes, Lord. We're, we're ever having to let go of something and continuing to say yes for that new point of promotion, for that new day. We have to let something go in order to step into something new, and we're saying yes. And that dunamis and that agreement is what's, what keeps us from falling. Because you know as well as I do, the minute you give in to bitterness and offense and you don't take, take care of it, and I'm not saying there's not a season that the Lord will not allow you to live and to walk in bitterness. He wants you to, to know what that's like. He, he wants you to um, not offhandedly cast it away as if, you know, you're above that point of bitterness. Those emotions, those offenses, the things that have hurt you are real. They're, they're not some figment of the imagination. They really do have a place in our hearts. And unless we seriously consider what they're touching, what, what is the point, what is the point that, that brings the biggest sting. You know, we have to address those things, and sometimes it takes a while to address that and to say, and to finally say, 
yes, Lord, I can see what this is doing. I see that I have to let this go. Or I see that if I don't, re you know, however you come to that point where you allow grace to lift you up. Listen, these points of not falling, that's what they all are. They're, little, they're all little grace junctures. But his dunamis is there and his grace is there to help us go forward. The principles of fruitfulness and eternal life. John 12, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that loves his life shall lose it. He that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. So talking about being a martyr, the martyria, because we know that this is, you know, this is, um, you know, one of the parables. It's an allegory. It's a way for, for Jesus to talk to us about what we must do in order to find fruitfulness. And that is to be a martyr, to be able to die to self. We have to be willing to lay down our lives for what God has called each one of us to do. And, you know, it doesn't really even matter what that thing is. It doesn't matter if, you know, certainly you don't have the responsibilities pastor has. But to me, your responsibility to your terio and to the father to whom you have committed yourself, your responsibility is just as great to him as pastor's is. Yes, in the natural. Pastor's overseeing a lot. And not only that, he's overseeing, you know, the salvation of your souls. You know, he has all of you to think about and what God wants to do. And then he's got to say, you know, Lord, search me. So he's certainly got a lot going on. But, but every single one of us has a responsibility. Once we entered into that covenant with the Father and said, I will, we must, we must pay the vow, as it were. And honestly, the vow that we entered into was one of intercession, and it was one of really of um, seeking his righteousness and insisting on the agape operating within us. How do we, you know, we know so many things. Are we dumbed down by the fact that we have all this revelation? Are we dumbed down by the fact that, you know, pastor's doing all this stuff, you know, online and none of us are really even aware of it. We don't get to hear, well, we could hear if we wanted to, but, you know, it's not like it's here in the house and we're part of it. So it's just stuff that's happening. I mean, are we just, are we too far removed to find that we're actually, you know, we're actually a part of the equation of what God's doing? Man, you got to, you got to get rid of the things you see in the natural and the way God is moving amongst all of us and recognize that nothing has changed from the day than it did 25 years ago. We have made a commitment to do exactly what he's asked us to do, and we said so gladly. We said, yes, Lord, gladly. Of course, it was very exciting back then when we said yes. But I'm telling you right now, that yes, <laughs> you read in the Bible about paying the vow. We have entered into a covenant with God, and what we do regarding that covenant must be fulfilled in this hour more than in any other. And you know what? That phrase will be true the further we go forward. The closer we get, the more we have to uh, face the enemy and overcome. That, that 
one thing about communing with God and interceding is always going to be imminently more important than it is today. We cannot slack off. So when I think about loving this life, just think about your priorities. What do you give priority to? What comes first for you? Is it prayer? Is it what God is speaking to you throughout the day or in the night? Is it those Logos releases that he's giving us twice a week through our leader? Are those the important things to us? Are those still the guiding posts? Or do we have other things that are our guiding posts? Our Lord will keep us. Jesus said in John 17, verse 11, I'm not in the world anymore, but these folks are in the world. And I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through your own name those whom thou have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. And those that thou gavest me, I have guarded over and watched and preserved. None of them were lost but the son of perdition that scripture might be fulfilled. So being kept in the name, that terio, according to the purpose of God, God's name always depicts what his overall purpose is, what he intends to do and how he wants to do it. Jesus really showed us what it meant to be a son, didn't he, through his ministry and his death and resurrection. But here is, it's really interesting because I feel like we really have a responsibility in that same point of Terio according to his name and, and for those who God has given us responsibility for, you know, to pray for them, to be an example and to really build up the saints so that none of them is lost. Second Thessalonians 3, verse 3, But the Lord is faithful. He meets us at the right hand. He does what he says he's going to do from the right hand. He always fulfills his promise that he gives at the right hand. He will establish us and keep us from the Poneros evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you that you both do and will do the things that we tell you to do, that the Lord has told us to tell you to do. And the Lord, direct your hearts into the agape of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. The word establish, as you can see, is an hastemi word. It means to set fast, to turn resolutely in a certain direction, to place firmly, this capacity of strengthening involves a return to purpose because a sifting of our faith has occurred for the purpose of helping others in their histemi. Again, anytime you raise someone up, you raise them up to help someone else. We have to be making disciples of all nations. But we first have to be that disciple. We have to be someone who is a learner, 
and a doer, obeyer of the logos of, of God. And being established in our histeme, you know, being someone who, who is obedient in our point of service to God without respect for what someone else is doing. Poneros there is different than kakos. Kakos is like the twisted purpose of God, the raw in the Old Testament. Poneros really speaks of that underlying iniquity that might propel you to, toward evil. And we all deal with that. We have to um, really overcome our iniquities. But that poneros is really what's in the world. It's, it's, you know, the enemy is truly trying to instigate this intent of iniquity where, well, that's where they call evil good and good evil. I mean, basically they're saying all these things that promote an evil action or a sinful action, those things are all good. But the things that keep you from being able, you know, to be who you really are, you know, not who God made you, but who you really are, who you really want to be, or what you really want to do, how you really want to live your life, well, you should have the freedom to do that. I mean, what about me? What about my life? I have dreams. I have hopes. Right? But the Poneros really preys upon that one, that feeds on that one thing. What about me? What about my life? What about me getting to do what I want to do and be who I want to be? Boy, it is so prominent in the world. He has really laid the foundation of Poneros big time. And that's what we're facing. That's what we are facing. Only the Spirit of God can move or change that. And we certainly pray for that move of God to happen and to open and change the hearts of the people who have been deluded into this um, what about me um, iniquity. <clears throat> but then we come up with this patient waiting for Christ. That hupomone, which has a um, root in hupomeno, which is the word for patience that we're um, very familiar with, and what it means to remain under our appointed place of abiding. I'm going to read this. I took it out of a book. Our abiding place, just any old book, you know. <laughs> I took it out of Lineup Online, which stole this phrase, I'm sure, from one of Pastor's books. Our abiding place is wherever the plan of God has assigned us. We are to stay under the covering of what we are called to do. That's pretty specific. You know, it's not just to be, you know, here and to show up here. But it's to be, to be, um, to be under the covering and be, and be obedient to what we are called to do, to abide in our identity. That is huge. And to commit to God what, ha what has given us, what he's given us to abide in. So it speaks of not abandoning our placement when challenges arise or when we wait too long. It implies being hidden and is the ultimate manifestation of humility. We know that patience is the first sign of the apostle. To bring forth fruitfulness, we must stay under our assignment. If we let patience have her perfect work, it will develop us. It is a major developer. Being patient for something, denying yourself the fulfillment of something is the hardest thing that we have to do, I think. To not move ahead of what God is saying, even if it is what God, a lot of times it's just what we want to do. 
But even if it is something God's told you to do and not trying to strive it out and make it happen and, and exert your own energies to see something, to bring forth that vain, and it really is just a vain fruitfulness, really. No, that patient waiting, whew, that's a killer. <laughs> hey, literally, right? It's a killer. Okay, let's keep the good thing. What? Okay. Katie is trying to make sure I know that I'm leading worship this morning. Yes, and I'm teaching, and that's why I can answer your text. <laughs> okay, so 2 Timothy 1.6. <coughs> Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Boy, here we are. This is a rainbow word for the saints right now. This word stir up that I'm, I could probably try to pronounce, but it's not necessary. It's on your sheet. It comes from the word we get for life. A living thing and the word pyre, which means fire. So how do you stir up yourself? It's a living fiery thing that has to stay in us stirring up the gift the grace stirring up the grace is a living breathing you know fiery existence keeping yourself stirred that think about what that would feel like just think of that there's there's no idleness in that there's no lazy boy existence with a living breathing fiery thing going on inside you but that's what timothy is, is being exhorted to do. He said, put into remembrance that you have to stir up this grace of God that I tithemate into you. And so I don't have to teach on tithemate. We've spent an entire year talking about tithemate and how that is what God deposits in each one of us that is manifested as our calling and the things that he's asked us to do. That tithemate is in you and it's in me and it's put, on, put in us through God. It's put on us apparently through this laying on of hands of uh, pastors and um, I guess whoever God um, through authority would choose to use that. Verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but dunamis, agape, and a disciplined, sound mind. A mind that we have to manage. The thoughts, the imaginations have to be policed by us. And he gave us that. I'm not going to go very far on that because it's been touched on so frequently. But we know that we are in the agape, therefore there is no fear. And we have the dunamis, the other equation um, in that little verse. Verse 8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the dunamis of God. That partaker of the afflictions is a word that I'm going to say so that you can hear it. Soon uh, kakopatheo. So soon means in company with. Kakos, we know what that is. That's evil or raw. And patheo means to suffer hardship, to, you know, to really feel something deeply. And it's usually a negative. Um, so 
in this verse, it talks about, Paul says, look, don't be ashamed of what, what, what Jesus did or the fact that I'm a prisoner because we have to be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. We are going to face the cacos of this world. You're not going to be able to escape that. You are going to have to suffer the hardship of coming up against the cacos of this world. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 9, who has saved us and called us to a hagios calling, and not according to our works, but according to his purpose. Another word stemming from prothesis. Um, I mean, stemming from tetheme, pardon me. Prothesis, a setting forth, an ordination, what he's placed in front of you to do that aligns with his plan. And the grace, which continually allows us to move into the new and be promoted into that new placement when we continually submit as the steps we take, those points of obedience, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. This hagios calling that's according to what has been to them made, according to his plan, the grace that he gives to fulfill it, this work of restoration that begins here. You know, this is the essential thing that we live day in and day out. Verse 10, but it is now made manifest by, by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, wherein too I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have seen at the right hand and heard. And I'm persuaded that his dunamis that he provides will keep watch over me and preserve me in that which I have to themade back to him against that day. So what God has to them it into us, we to them it right back to him through our service, through our obedience, and through the fulfilling of our calling. You know, when it talks about the Apostle Paul being appointed, every one of you is appointed. Okay, you may not be an apostle or a teacher or a preacher, but that to them exists and has been given, deposited within each one of us. And so you can plug in intercessor. You can plug in and then you can do whatever you want to with it as God leads. Yes, and I think that I'll be... Um, no, we, we know we have been appointed to serve him in this place and that's what we need to be faithful to. 13, hold fast, echo the form of sound words. Hold fast is echo, and that means to repeat those things that you have learned, that the clean, functioning, strong logos. You know, the logos is pure. Therefore, it probably has, you know, cleansing action. I mean, I know it's not the blood. But just think about when you read the word and it corrects something you thought. Well, I mean, to me, that's a cleansing. It means you no longer think one thing that was wrong 
it wipes that away and you walk away with a new perspective. So to me, if it's clean, it's pure, it's going in, then that's what we embrace and that's what changes us by the word. He received this word in faith and in the agape. Boom. Seeking God at his right hand, passionately pursuing his purpose, his will, to do it. 14, and that good callous thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwells in us. So that callous thing, the purposeful thing that God has tithed into us, we have to keep that. We have to guard over it. We have to preserve it and obey what is given to us. I love it. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Now we're coming to what to avoid. And we only have four minutes. Oh my gosh. So let's go to 2 Timothy. Alexander, oh, it's 2 Timothy 4, 14. So Alexander the coppersmith did me much cacos. And this is, this is the way it looks to me. And the Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom beware also. I love this. I mean, it's like here's Paul addressing the folks, and he had to make this, and the Lord will reward him for what he did. Uh huh. Um, I think that's awesome. But it says to beware also, you know, to be on guard, because he greatly anahistimated our logos. He stood against the logos within the histime. And he said, look, if he did it to me, he's going to come for you. As you stand for the logos and your histime, he's going to stand against the logos. I love that. That's a great warning. And he said, at my first answer, no man stood with me, genomai, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. He peristimate. He stood beside me and he supported me in my histime that by me the preaching might be fully known, that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every ponderous work and preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So we have the assurance that God, as we are doing his work, that we are obedient to our calling, that he will deliver us from the ponderous work of this world. Genomai, it's interesting how that no man would genomai with him. And he said, at my first answer, and genomai does generally talk about uh, those first beginnings when God is initiating a work. And there's, a, I mean, I could go into a very lengthy definition, but time does not permit me as we only have a couple minutes left. But just know that we have to stand with those who are declaring the Logos work. But we will also have the Lord. The Lord will be with us, supporting us in our esteeming. We can count on that. We know he's praying for the saints. <coughs> Let's go to 1 Timothy 6.20. Oh, Timothy. I just love that. Oh, Timothy. Um, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Same word, parakatathiki. Parakatathiki. Um, it's still, you have to preserve 
You have to watch over what God has tied into you because no one else is going to do it. You are responsible for what God has deposited within you. You are the one that has to be faithful to that calling and faithful to your terio and faithful to the commitment you've made to him. But in regard to committing, I mean, to keeping that which has been committed to you, you have to avoid the profane and vain babblings. You know, if you want to describe 2020, 2021, I think it would be called the profane and vain babblings year. The release of the profane and vain babblings. Oppositions. What is that word opposition? It comes from tithe, the tithing word, tithemi. Anti, it's anti-tithemi. Of science, the, the oppositions of science. Wow, we've had a lot of scientifical words, haven't we? Come from um, all the media. And what are they? Uh, falsely so-called, untruly named, fictitious, not genuine, pseudonym. That's what it is. It's the word that we get our word pseudonym from. Pseudonymal is what it is. So all these things that oppose what God has to them into this earth and into us are being falsely named. They're, oh my gosh, the, ba the babblings. I love it. Well, we have to commit. I mean, we have to keep what God has committed to us in order to stay, stay faithful to that and, and really not give ear or place to these things that are going on around us. Boy, we're probably over now by one minute. Second Peter verse 3, chapter 3, verse 17. <coughs> Therefore, agapito, seeing you know these things before, seeing that you know all these things, all these things that I have told you, dearly beloved, beware, lest you also, being led astray with the error of the wicked, the a to themi, that you would fall from your own histemi, Rather, grow in grace, grow in this developmental process of grace that I have you on, that you're continually dealing with um, the areas that you must overcome and be changed in. Um, you have to grow in that grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. I think I've said enough. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for speaking into our hearts. Thank you for the way that you will do and say anything to save your people and to lead us into righteousness. Father, I pray that I have heard these words myself, that I would look closely at myself regarding your calling, your tithemi in my life. I give you thanks for the way that you have preserved me, for the way you've watched over me, that you have led me and guided me in your agape, in your plan. You are, you are so good. You are so good to all of us. We love you 
In Jesus' name, amen.